Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar series, Caring for Individuals with Alzheimer's Disease and Related Dementias. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live in the fall of 2015. This webinar series is presented by the Lewin Group in collaboration with Community Catalyst and the American Geriatric Society and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care to Medicare and Medicaid enrollees, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts, please visit resourcesforintegratedcare.com. In this podcast, Dr. Deborah Cherry, Executive Vice President at the Alzheimer's Association, will explore the Dementia Cal MediConnect Project, a case example from California's Dual Eligible Pilot Project. I'm here to speak with you a bit about some of the challenges we've encountered in California's efforts to develop more dementia-capable healthcare systems within our state's Dual Eligible Pilot Program, which is called Cal MediConnect. I'll also share with you some of the tools and strategies we're using to overcome these challenges. This work is supported by the U.S. Administration on Aging, its Administration for Community Living, and the California Department of Aging, and they would like you to know that my presentation does not represent official agency policies. Next slide. An estimated 10% of people living with Alzheimer's disease in the United States reside in California. And I tell you this for a sense of scope. The state has 1.1 million dual eligibles, and we expect that between 60 and 84,000 dual eligibles in the state have Alzheimer's disease or related dementia. As in many states, this population is very ethnically diverse. It includes many immigrants, people who speak English as a second language, there are many um, members with multiple chronic diseases, and as has been noted frequently, these are some of our sickest and poorest patients. Next slide, please. There's a business case that can be made for improving and better coordinating care for people with dementia within the dual pilot. And as we approach California's health plans to work with us, we shared this information with them. As you can see on the chart, People with moderate to severe cognitive impairment cost Medicare three times more than other enrollees. And this is largely driven by hospital stays. They cost Medicaid 19 times more than other Medicare beneficiaries. And this is driven by nursing home stays. We found that health plans involved in the duals pilot were very concerned about these costs and about the quality of care they could deliver to this vulnerable population. Overall, the plans were willing to work with the Alzheimer's Association to develop more dementia-capable systems of care. Next slide, please. So let me briefly review for you some of the key components of our effort to improve dementia care, starting with advocacy. Alzheimer's Association staff advocated with the state and the health plans, including going to stakeholder meetings at the state, the county, and the local health plan levels, forming a project steering committee with participation by leadership from our state's aging, public health, and Medicaid departments that regularly meets with our project team, 
and very importantly, identifying champions at the state and local plan level. These individuals are critical to moving the project forward and identifying key leverage points for improvement of quality. In addition, our project focuses on the care manager as the linchpin for quality dementia care, providing dementia care manager training, which includes an eight-hour in-person training for all care managers and a 12-hour additional training for dementia care specialists. Both trainings are followed by monthly case conferences with a dementia care specialist. We also, through the project, offer caregiver education and respite, um, support services delivered through the Alzheimer's Association, and technical assistance to help the plans improve their dementia services. For example, recently a plan requested assistance in developing a policy around the provision of respite. How do they know who to give it to? And we want to be their go-to people and serve as a resource as they develop the quality. Next slide, please. As we worked with the health plans, we identified a number of challenges to provision of better quality dementia care. And the very first was that the plans are having a hard time recognizing dementia patients. We know there's evidence that only 50% of people with dementia ever get a formal diagnosis, and only half of these get it documented in their charts. We believe that the numbers may be even higher for the dual eligibles. And let me give you some examples of why that could be the case. In California, we found that health risk assessments used by some plans were not even screening for cognitive impairment, though it was a requirement. In one case, we found a plan using a mental illness screen to meet the state's requirement. And that was obviously not workable. It was difficult for the plans to make contacts with the members for health risk assessments. The members are poor, many move frequently, and some have very limited telephone access. Families of the duals may also be less likely to bring dementia to the attention of a physician. Many groups view dementia as a normal part of aging nothing to report to a doctor. And poor families who are coping with acculturation, multiple low-paid jobs, inadequate housing, and other con concerns may not be focused on this condition that, again, many see as a normal part of aging. And let me say that this can be further complicated by the fact that if the families are seeing providers who come from the same country of origin, speak the same language, those providers may share the same cultural views of dementia doing it perhaps is shameful or is futile to identify. Next slide, please. Our approaches to dealing with this challenge have included helping the plans by offering to review their health risk assessment content. We've also encouraged the plans to adopt a validated screening tool. In California, almost all care management is done by telephone, so we have been training care managers in how to implement the AD8 which is a short um, tool that can be administered by phone to the patient or the caregiver. We're trying to create a triple net for catching these cognitively impaired patients. First, the health risk assessment. Second, through the physicians who are providing annual wellness visits. And third, and the one we're emphasizing most heavily, through the care managers who are being taught to screen people with cognitive impairment or who have alleged cognitive impairment. We're also encouraging the plans to have a follow-up protocol in place if the cognitive screen is positive. Next slide, please. 
As mentioned by the other presenters, safety issues are a real concern when a person with dementia is not identified. Families really often do not understand the disease. They may not understand how to supervise medications adequately, and they may even rely on the person with dementia to care for the home and for their children. As one example, we had a Latino family from Mexico with a diagnosed grandmother who they relied upon to take the kids to school and administer her own meds during the day because everyone else who was an adult was working. Medication mistakes had been made, the children weren't being picked up at school, and that was when they began to see that this was not an optimal situation. They required some disease education, and that's something the care manager can provide. Next slide, please. The plans also face real challenges to identifying and engaging a family caregiver or caregivers. You know, caregivers are the backbone of our long-term care support system. 80% of community-based care is provided by families. And if the families lack disease education and support, they'll mismanage care and may burn out. This can result in, per in premature nursing home placement or in ER visits. Medical organizations may not be prepared to identify and engage family caregivers, which can result in poor management of comorbid conditions, apparent noncompliance with follow-up uh, directions, poor medication management, poor management of challenging behavioral symptoms, and then resultant ER, hospital, or nursing home um, use. Next slide, please. To make the situation a bit more complex, because the duals population is very culturally diverse, family caregiving responsibilities may be organized differently than in the mainstream population. Caregiving may be less likely to be a dyadic phenomenon there can be multiple caregivers who take on different tasks, and extended family living arrangements are more common. For one example, a Mexican-American family with one daughter who provides all the at-home care, another daughter who goes to all the medical appointments. There was an assumption by, that healthcare decisions could be made by the daughter who came into the office, but in this family, it was the eldest son who was the decision maker. No decisions could be made without him. So the decision maker is not always evident, and sometimes dementia is so stigmatized in certain families that they will hide the condition and the caregiver will not self-identify. Um, an example is an Asian family we encountered that was in denial until the grandmother's disease could no longer be hidden. First, she left the stove on at her daughter's home causing a fire and partially burning down the home. Then she moved in with her son's family where she walked away in her bedroom slippers and was found 10 miles away, dehydrated, delirious, but otherwise unharmed. No one mentioned, no one in this family mentioned her dementia, either sibling to sibling or to the physician until it resulted in this crisis. Next slide, please. Through our program, we are training care managers at the plans to identify the caregiver or caregivers, document them in the records when possible, because that is also a challenge, and complete a caregiver assessment tool. These tools are available on our website as noted on the slide. Once problem areas are identified through the screening tools, the dementia care managers at the plans are provided with standardized care plans. We have developed these um, with 
derived these from the ACCESS project, which is a randomized controlled study that demonstrated the effectiveness of dementia care management in improving care processes and outcomes. The standardized care plans make suggestions for further assessment, for follow-up within the medical system, with community-based organizations, and they also reference materials that can be shared with the family to help them provide better care. Those, again, are on our website. Our large, next slide, please. A larger role of the care manager is to develop a partnership with the family caregiver, providing them with education about the disease, about self-care, and connecting them with community resources that are low cost or no cost. Some of the education that we have been giving to the care managers, educational materials, have been plain language, lower literacy um, fact sheets um, and educational programs. The fact sheets focus on common symptoms and safety issues. Thus far, six have been completed and an additional 10 are in the works. We've tried to keep the fact sheets at or below sixth grade reading level, and we're creating them in English, Spanish, and eventually in Chinese. These are documents that can be sent home with the family, and once again, they are available on our website. Can we move to the next slide, please? This is a, a sample of one of the fact sheets on keeping the home safe. Um, they look at each of these documents looks at why certain challenges occur, what the family can do to avoid or manage them. And if we switch to the next slide, you can see that we have one on helping the person with Alzheimer's disease take their medication appropriately. And the next slide, um, we have one on bathing. As I said, we have six in, currently available on our website in English and Spanish with more in development and eventual production in, Jap in Chinese. Next slide, please. In California's Dementia CalMedi Connect project, caregivers have been hard to identify and bring into workshops. We hope this will improve as we continue to train care managers and rely on these professionals to make referrals to caregiver education programs offered by the Alzheimer's Association and other community-based organizations. We've had a better success reaching out to caregivers through PACE programs and community-based managed long-term care services such as adult day healthcare centers. You may want to consider training health educators at the plans to deliver dementia education. Most Alzheimer's Association chapters have speakers bureaus that can train people in delivering simple programs. They also want to consider setting up a referral system to community-based organizations for education. The Alzheimer's Association um, and our project set up an ALS Direct Connect electronic or fax referral so that the family's permission is given to come to the to be referred to the association and we can make that call to them. It's very challenging to find plain, plain language educational materials. We use evidence-based programs such as the Savvy Caregiver, but we are working with the original authors um, Ken, Kenneth Hepburn to convert Savvy into a lower literacy tool called Savvy Express. And we have one already developed, a version in Spanish called Cuidando con Respeto, but very challenging um, to find these tools. Next slide, please. Our model stresses the value of developing partnerships between the health plans and community-based organizations that provide dementia care. But sometimes there are challenges to making this happen. 
Um, there are cultural differences between the partners where managed care organizations may expect timeliness and feedback. Community-based organizations may not be HIPAA compliant or have the capacity for a large quantity of referrals. The first health plan that made a systematic set of referrals to our Alzheimer's Association chapter for all their patients overwhelmed our care consultants and led to a one-week wait. If managed care organizations find the work of community-based organizations helpful, they may need to start paying for these services. On our website, you'll find a manual called Establishing Partnerships and describes how to create a partnership between a managed care organization and a community-based organization. It may be helpful to you. Next slide, please. There are benefits to the plans and to patients with dementia when plans effectively partner with community-based organizations like the Alzheimer's Association. These are, on the slide, some of the services you can access through, the care, through an Alzheimer's chapter, and they include, across the country, support groups, early stage programs for those who have just been diagnosed and are early in the disease, online and face-to-face -face education, care consultants who develop a care plan, um, provide support, connect the person to community resources. The 24-7 helpline number is provided here, and the Alzheimer's Association Medic Alert plus Safe Return Bracelet. You also want to consider partnerships with the triple A's. Can you pass to the next slide, please? So once again, the key, um, a key component of our project has been care manager training. And this slide gives you an initial report of six months um, after our training. What do care managers say that they are doing differently? And they say, if you look at the red bar, and the red bar is pre-training, I'm sorry, the dark blue bar are pre-training practices, and the light blue bar is post-training practices, what you see is that there's an increase in encouragement to give, to um, tell the family to seek a formal diagnosis. There's usually, um, the care managers are now um, determining whether an informal caregiver is available. They are involving that informal caregiver in the care planning process, an increase from 63 to 92% of that initial group of care managers said they're doing that. We usually refer the, page, the member to available home and community-based services, an increase from 67 to 92%. I usually refer the caregiver to available home and community-based services. That went up dramatically from 55% to 85%. And I usually refer them or their informal caregiver to the Alzheimer's Association. Again, a big increase from 53 to 92% say they are doing that in this initial group. We hope these results will be sustained as we gather data from a larger pool of care managers. Statewide thus far, over 250 care managers have associated with eight health plans have completed the eight-hour training program, and there is a demand that has made it um, possible for some health plans to come to us and actually offer to pay us for this training. It's terrific. Next slide, please. So when creating a dementia-capable system of care, at least in the CalMedi Connect project, this is what we are trying to do. We are trying to assure that the health risk assessments and other assessments used include a cognitive screen 
and identification of family caregivers. We're encouraging adoption of a validated screening tool while we teach AD8. It could be another tool that, they, um, that the plan chooses to um, teach. We are encouraging the development of a protocol for diagnosis so that if the plan individual with cognitive impairment is identified, they um, actually have it documented um, in their chart and they get, I'm sorry, when the, when the individual has a positive cognitive screen, the documentation um, happens and they are referred for a di full diagnostic workup. And then this, when they complete their diagnosis, it is documented in their e-medical record. We're asking the plans to be able to identify informal or family caregivers, um, to adopt caregiver assessment tools, through their care managers using standardized care plans to help these families um, cope with the disease, understand the disease, connect with resources. And we're asking the plans to integrate caregiver education and support for the families and the, and the patients and the caregivers. We are strongly encouraging partnerships with community-based organizations, in particular adoption of ALS Direct Connect a fax referral that is also sent via e-referral. And on the final slide, you'll see my wonderful team, including my co-director, Laura Connolly, project manager, Jennifer Schlesinger, and project evaluator, Brooke Hollister. For more information about this webinar series and other resources, including videos and podcasts, please visit resourcesforintegratedcare.com and follow us on Twitter at integrate underscore care.